welcome back everyone to um i think this is our first first 2021 podcast isn't it um it is. the last time we spoke to you well we recorded before christmas so quite a bit's happened in that time um christmas and new year's happened a new lockdown so um i hope everyone is uh is enjoying <laughs> down number three the solitude of lockdown um in fact is this our first official lockdown podcast uh, I think our first YouTube one on YouTube was a lockdown one. Oh, okay. But yeah. So it's our first podcast purely for podcast yeah. sake. Yes. Okay. Well, you know, there's a milestone. Got to claim these things when they come along. Make the most of them when you can. Yeah, exactly. Um, how are you? All good? Had a good Christmas? Good New Year? As good as it could be? Yeah, pretty much. Nothing spectacular. Got yeah. some interesting things. <laughs> 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 um cool what are we all drinking see i can see glenn's got his like glass in super close up yeah yeah I keep, yeah it's weird isn't it on this tablet that's that's sort of your thing i like it because you just kind of whereas i get a, a stiff arm if i just held mine up to the camera exactly. <laughs> um i'm drinking <laughs> an old cat well i don't know if you can see it there verdant okay one of the verdant beers anyway but it's um Tastes a bit old and oxidised because it is old. Um, yeah, it's from hand <laughs> in July, and okay. uh, unfortunately, it's been left on the shop shelf without them somehow not being sold. But it's fine though. This is the thing. They got about IPAs need to be drink, you know, drunk within four weeks or whatever. But even if it's a bit older, it's still drinkable. Yeah. You know. What about you? Well, I'm on the um, the non-alcoholic stuff tonight due to uh, medication. So I thought I would I'd dabble in a few supermarket non-alcoholics. I've gone, my first up is the uh, the Brewdog, punk alcohol-free. I've had Nanny State. I've, I'm yet to try this. Mm. Um, I kind of think the punk AF makes it sound like sort of punk as fuck. But um, the punk alcohol-free. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's alcohol-free. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I don't want to go into much more detail than that. It, it it's really hoppy, like super bitter. It's why I don't like IPAs, to be fair. But I want to try it. Um, and it's kind of the first sip tastes a bit like punk, um, but then it kind of tastes like medicine after that. So it's yeah. yeah. I had a similar experience. Yeah. yeah, it's it's really metallic-y. And I've got four cans of it to get through, so. <laughs> Is that your one and only drink tonight? No, I have I have two other non-alcoholics. I have. Oh, yeah, a, I uh, yes, I've got uh, one that I always have that is just pretty standard. It's nice, the Erdinger. Um, and then I've gone for I've gone for the Doom Bar alcohol free. So we'll see. Oh, I haven't had that, but I'm, I'm oh. tempted to say it's going to be nicer than Doom Bar. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> could be, could be. It won't, it probably won't be a sweet. No, I, no. <laughs> it's a typical drinkers thing, but I swear Doombar used to be nice back in the day. But that could be nostalgia talking. But it's about what we said in the last episode, didn't it? With Lyle drinking, what was it, Spitfire or whatever the hell it was you were drinking, Hobgoblin. Hobgoblin <laughs> and uh, yeah, uh, Nuki Brown. They used, they used to be nice, but kind of we've moved on, and the beer hasn't, and. Yeah. Um, how about you, Lyle? What are you? Uh, 
fucking well, just give me a second. I'm rearranging my tables. Uh, oh, oh, so, <laughs> I'm having technical difficulties. He's joining us via telephone line. Um, yeah, I am tonight, yeah. On account of my uh, my laptop being out of battery uh, and no way to charge it. Um, what am I on? I'm, I'm on... Um, this is a very popular brand these days, the Dea, or Dea, or whatever, however you pronounce it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I fancied it because it's a best bitter. It's called Best Foot Forward. Oh, no. And it's a, yeah, it's a, I've got a few different ones tonight. I picked up a, a handful of things that I might not normally drink for this evening. Yeah. But yeah, I thought I'd try this one because it's a, a well known brewery and it's a best bitter, and I like a best bitter. And it's, it's all right. It's all right. It's only got a. It's only got a three. I think it's actually a four month use by. So they still recommend this one's drunk quickly. Okay. Um, it's still well within its date, but it's 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 fine. I wouldn't call it a best bitter. It's very. I don't know if you can tell it. It's very kind of washy. Yeah. It's yeah, thin. Yeah, yeah. It looks it's quite more, more like yeah. a blonde. Bitter like a blonde beer. Yeah. It's not caramel. But, yeah. Um, I'll look at it. So what what is that one actually called? Yeah, it's a very this one it's called Best Foot Forward. Mm. It's nice. I mean, it says on the back that they spund it, which is um spunding as a way of sort of lagering to carbonate. So they've kind of done a sort of modern thing with it. Um a traditional best bitter, soft, malty without being sweet. But what I would say is the sweetness helps it taste malty. Okay. Mm. As a result, it does taste very washy. I don't think you don't really get much of the malt flavour because it hasn't got that residual sweetness. Yeah. Their um, um, their website gives pills, absolutely pills no feedback. No information at all about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm on on tap. There's not much on it. It just says best foot forward, best bitter with an exclamation mark, and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they don't, they don't want you to think anything different. No. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Something I have noticed about my um, my punk alcohol free. This is my second can. I thought I'd dip into it this afternoon, and I just prepare my taste buds. And um, very lively out the can. Like as soon as I cracked the can, like I probably lost nearly a quarter of it really? out of the can just everywhere and it's been static in the fridge for, for hours and hours and hours and the same thing happened with the second can so definitely it comes with a sort of a, a hazard warning a bit like if you go to like those uh whale shows at like sea world you're in the splash zone so when you open it just make <laughs> sure you know you, you open it at distance <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you get foam gone. nice yeah but to be fair, that's the only sort of anything that resembles a head in any way, shape, or form is what yeah. comes out of the can at you when you open it. As soon as you pour it in the glass, so, yeah. nothing. But the head was all in there. That's it. In the, on left. Yep. Oh. Well, so, that's a weird one because. Oh. No, go, go on. Go on. Well, I was going to say it's carbonated like a beer. I wonder if it's because of the, I don't know, the alcohol, the residual sugar, and it helps it to maintain its head. I don't know. Mm. It must have a similar, say, wheat content to give it some retention. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, so what is the how do you how do you make 
Hey, I mean, this is okay. So this is a low. So this is zero point five percent. But how does one go about producing the non-alcoholic beer? <laughs> Great question. Uh, this is a shame where uh, probably Coleman would be a really useful person on this one. I'm sure. But, um, I think uh, I'm tempted to say there's something like there's an, there's a couple of methods, and one of them is like an evaporation sort of method, where the, you actually yeah. brew the beer and then you somehow evaporate the alcohol out of the okay. beer. Um, I have no, honestly, I've not read into it because, uh, you know, that doesn't really interest me as much as normal brewing, but no, of course. it's interesting. That, uh, yeah, but that's all I've heard is the evaporation bit. I've never really got around to reading it yet, but. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you can either, you can either brew a very low percentage beer um, and then you can water it down, essentially. You can liquor back to it to make it even um even lower percentage so sort of the low abv beers the sort of twos and three percent ones tend to be liquored back um beers that have been brewed but yes you're right glenn you can de-alcoholize beer as well by basically mm-hmm. you heat it um because alcohol's got a low a low boiling point so yeah. you can heat to about 60 degrees and, and hold it about 60 to 70 degrees uh, and it the alcohol then sort of heats off, evaporates off, but the beer doesn't reboil. And um, the risk of that is you do end up with a, a sort of a weird sort of caramelly flavour. And you can sort of, if you don't do it right, you can really affect the beer flavour. But okay, yeah, I don't, I don't know huge amount about it. No, I mean all all I've seen about this particular one is just, and in one of the reviews, someone said, "Oh yeah, you know they." I think it must have been evaporation. They said they they don't take it quite as far as other as other alcohol free beers, which is why it tastes a little bit more like actual beer rather than water. Um, yeah. Well, which, yeah, the zero point five percent rather than the zero percent. You still you're still getting a little bit. So you know, the other day you were saying about the um, which surprised me is that there is some some leniency around the percentages. The ABV is that the same with this, with the non with the, with the lower? I, I would suggest that in, in on an industrial from a, from an industry point of view, uh, you'd have to prove that it was. It would have to go through tests, much like gluten free. Okay. You can't call it gluten free beer and just vaguely be gluten free. Yeah. It either has to hit the um, the scientific specification of gluten free, or it doesn't. Okay. So I imagine with alcohol free. For legal reasons and also for health reasons, you'd have to be able to prove that you legitimately hit a certain point. Okay, that makes and sense. I don't, I don't think you had to call a 0.5% beer 0.5 if it was 1%. No. I think that would not be, I think, yeah, probably that wouldn't work. No, that's, that's unsafe. It's got eight different types of hops in it. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight types of hops. I've never seen that. Has it, okay. Has it got, does it say what the hops are? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's go. Um, let's go Citra. Let's go Simcoe. Mm-hmm. Let's go yep. Nelson Sauvin. Yep. And let's go. Oh, Amarillo. No. Chinook. Oh, Cascade. Chinook. Yep. Cascade. Yep. Oh, Chinook. Three more. Um, oh. <laughs> um, something piney, um, like Columbus. No. Tomahawk, oh. William uh, Tomahawk or Warrior? No. Really? Mm. 
buff, um, Comet? No. I think I'm scraping a bow already, to be honest. Uh, just trying to think. Idaho? No. <laughs> no, I don't know then. So, uh, Mosaic? Oh, Mosaic, okay. duh. Yeah, okay. Um, How's the other one? Now, the other two, my pronunciations could be out, but uh, Atanum? Never heard of that one. A-H-T-A-N-U-M and Hull Melon. Yeah, I've heard of that one. Hull oh, Melon? Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, it's got an umlaut, you see, so it needs but, to be uh, in some way. That's a lot Not of boss. Hull Melon. Hull. <laughs> like some northern... Hull Melon. It's Jamaican. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, Maltsk. That's what gives it a totally tropical flavour. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we've come back to Umbongo. Um. And they put the Hull Melon in. <laughs> Okay, no, that's interesting. Yeah, I know nothing about the production of alcohol-free beer, so at least that's, you know, that's something. Uh, cool. So today we were going to talk a little bit about homebrew, weren't we? Mm. Mm. Um, now, obviously, you two are far more advanced down that line than myself. So well, it'd be interesting. Oh, no, 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 you, you, you 100% are. Um, but it's something that I would like to, to, to properly dive into. And I think it's important that I do to maybe help me understand processes a bit more and where flavors come from and and that kind of thing. Um, I, I think I think it often feels quite scary for people who haven't ever tried it or have only used say kits. Yeah. I think um, that the perception of brewing is it's this amazing science that's incredibly complex, and it can be. Of course, it can be. But I think the reality is it is just alchemy, and um, if you care about what you're making and you have an interest and an appreciation and like with you mike you're you're really good with food like you can pinpoint flavors and you're good at balancing food when you make when you make food yeah. it, it's not it's not complex at all it's it's mm. literally as simple as you know malt water hops yeast yeah and anything else you fancy putting it There's this kind of idea of, oh, you know, if, if if nothing, you know, if everything, if you get a little bit of bad bacteria in there, the whole thing's just going to go to hell. And you just, you you become really conscious of making a mistake before you've even started. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that maybe puts off a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah, I think it does. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't, yeah, don't disagree at all. But again, it's, I guess it's a lot of, again, it's a lot of fear mongering. I think it's the whole community of it oh, in the homebrew community of it like now you know these days it's it's a lot the brewing techniques and the way everything's made now it, you actually it's a lot you got to do quite well to get your beer infected with something horrible yeah. as literally you've got to not clean your equipment at all you know or you know I, I, i'm trying to think of if any time my beer spoiled because of poor cleaning practices i can't think of a time it has and I mean, all I do is mix get some steriliser, whip it around in the fermenter or whatever needs clean in sterilising. Yeah. And, and yeah, clean it out, put the beer, you know, and put the beer in. The only, the actually, the only time where my beer's got rubbish is because I haven't cleaned out the steriliser properly. And it just tastes of chlorine or nice. whatever, you know, sterilising mm. taste. 
So like, yeah, these days I don't even, that's mm. a thing. might be getting a bit too technical too early, but say when I finish boiling my beer, mm. I don't actually sterilize the fermentation bucket anymore because I don't chill my, my beer after I brew it. Okay. So I just, I just clean out the fermenter and then just let the, just put the beer in and put a lid on top. And then you don't need to use sterilizer, but that means it's one step less of risking that rubbish taste of sterilizer, basically. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You know. So then you've got three three different types. I mean, I'm, I've only ever really done kit brewing. Mm. Um, and I guess that's the kind of the entry point. And then you've got extract and all grain, haven't you? Yeah. Is that, would, would kind of extract be the next step up? Um, all grain being the, the kind of, you're on your own kind of kind of homebrew. Well, I mean, what what have you what have you made, Mike? It's strictly kit. Yeah, so so the kits are extract kits. So you've already you've already done step one. Okay. Um, so an extract kit basically just cuts out the the step of, of the process of of doing the mash. Mm. Uh, so when you when you mash your beer, you basically get your grains. You pick what grains you want to get the flavour and the colour of the beer. Yeah, uh, and what sort of uh, the amount of sugar that you want to create the, the alcohol percentage? Yeah, um, and you, you you basically heat them up, create a porridge, um, let the enzymes do their work to break the sugars down, and then you pour a load of water over it and extract the liquid off of the grains until there's no sugar left in the grains, and you end up with um, a sugary liquid called wort or wort, whatever you call it, but wort. Um, an extract is just a concentrated version of that. So all you do when you get an extract kit is take the concentrated wort and add boiling water to it to remake the volume of liquids that you would have had made if you were doing a grain kit. So oh. it's just a bloody quick way of doing it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. Well, that's interesting. So I think for me, like I've always wanted to do I'm, all grain brewing was kind of where I want. You know, I, I want to try that. Definitely. And I think it's, yeah, it's just knowing that actually just play around with it, have some fun. And it's, it's not necessarily going to be as bad as you think it might be. Um, but as I was saying yeah. earlier, the quantity element is the thing for me. Like Charlie's not going to drink any. <laughs> so, so I'm going to be, you know, my experience with, with the kits is that you're then you're, you're kind of almost burdened with 50 bottles of this this beer which as good as it may be will take time to get through and you've got to store it and everything else which for some people isn't necessarily the the best way can you get smaller i guess if you're all if you're brewing all grain then you can make whatever quantity you you kind of want that's it and with extract yeah, yeah. Okay. um yeah so you're saying the next step up is extract yeah and that, that's the difference between kit and extract is that it, in extract that's the first steps of actually coming up with a recipe yourself so okay. it's like yeah yeah that's why that's where i started i skipped the kit bit and went straight to extract yeah um and all i did you get these uh what i used to dried mold extract which is like the sugary stuff i don't know if you i can't remember what kit you used i think you had the liquid kit didn't you yes yeah, yeah. but you can get you can also get dry malt extract which is yeah just sugary powdery stuff goes gets everywhere but okay. you chuck it you check that stuff in a fermenter um get a pack of it they they are more expensive than all grain that's the other reason why you go all grain sometimes mm -hmm. extract's a bit more expensive but yeah you can get like 500 gram pack chuck that in the fermenter or you get a few of them and the basis amount you want to make the more packs you use <laughs> so if you want to make only like a two gallon batch or one gallon batch just use just 
make get less you know extract or use less extract yeah yeah especially for dry malt stuff it you know like it expires spies less or i don't know if it's easier to store anyway mm-hmm. like the liquid extract back not go doesn't go off but it gets sticky and horrible yeah yeah, yeah. real bastard deal with the dry malt stuff that's easier to store <laughs> store it in a tub and then you just chuck it in the on <laughs> in your pot next time really okay yeah it's, it's it's probably one of the better next good step forward if you want to do small batch which is mm-hmm. it's quite a common thing like i don't do any batches more than 20 liters so yeah mine's normally like eight, 15 to 18 just because of the brew setup i've got it allows me to brew more as well as mm-hmm. you said i mean yeah. another little hack for you another hack for you mike is um although they are marginally more expensive, you can get some liquid kits which um, come as two cans rather than one. So uh, if you're getting a, a one that's typically they're the more multi beers and more interesting sort of malt-focused malt beers, they're, they're two liquid kits. So you can just use one of them and then make half the quantity. So they're still designed for a 40-litre brew, but you can just make a 20-litre brew with, with one of the cans rather than two. I think they cost you about four or five quid more as a as an overall kit, but you get you still get the same amount of beer overall. Um, you just get to do it twice. Get to do it twice because I think for me that that's one reason why it takes me so long in between brews because I then I have like if I've got fifty bottles bottled ready to go, I basically either need to pour that away or drink through that before I'm then kind of able to go with space and bottles and things like that so okay that's and i think for for quite a few and, people and, that's, and that's bo- the daunting part yeah bottles are a real pet i think that's the thing with a lot of homebrew as well is that um, people end up using bottles because mm. it seems like the most logical way to store your beer um but bottles are a bitch i mean the amount of cleaning anyone who's done home brewing and reuse their bottles or use secondhand bottles know how much of a bit to clean them and to sterilize them in order to get them ready just to put the beer in it takes probably more time to do the bottles than it does the actual brewing or or the kit um and and a way to overcome that would be to to fork out for a corny keg um which is what glenn's got um and if you produce your beer and just put it into a corner keg with some co2 sitting on top of it um once you've fermented it um it will keep for months um so from that you can then decide to bottle as and when you fancy it um or you know providing you're keeping it somewhere cold so ideally you do need like a um a kegerator what they call it somewhere to sort of keep your kegs cool okay. uh, but sort of a large freezer or, or fridge that you can keep them in um you can just dispense off as you go and you can essentially in your own house have you know if you if you brewed every week for a month you'd have what's that 160 160 liters mm-hmm. of kits um but you'd have four beers that you could help yourself intermittently too, because the the, the corny kegs just top up the carbon dioxide, so the beer doesn't really go off. Um, and as a result, you can you can drink that over as long as you want, really. Okay. Or or, or, or decide to you know bottle some of it and leave some in keg. It's up to you. Yeah. No. Yeah. I, mean, I didn't even know that that was an option. I just thought the bottles was was kind of it. Yeah, Yeah, I think traditionally that always has been the case, but Mm. there are other ways. Yeah. Or pay a bit of money and get a canner. (laughs) Can you be? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe in good time. (laughs) 
<laughs> I mean, so I mean, if you, so if you, for someone who's never brewed before, what would you suggest then? If someone came to you and said, "I've never brewed beer before, I want to try it," what's your, your like your 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 best advice? Don't bother. go and buy it it's it's a lot of work go and buy a £1.70 bottle of beer from the supermarket and shut the hell up no I don't mean that (laughs) Um, Um, it's it's a good yeah it's it's an interesting question like probably the first question you ask them is what they actually why they're doing it what why they're doing it for or why you know what's doing it to drew if they're trying to homebrew to have cheap beer then they're not that's not the way to go because I, you know, pound for pound, that probably has been more expensive brewing my own beer than buying beer. Yeah, because the more the more you get into certainly on and yeah. Well, that's I suppose it's like anything, isn't it? If you're going to try and do it, then each time you do it, you you're going to kind of want to develop further and further and further. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but um, either you know, either way, it's it's still going about the starter kit stuff. Yeah. I, Probably now I would I might tell her to skip the kit section now and just get him straight into the extract stuff maybe yeah um, just because it's a cheap point to get into it but also you can you have a bit of input in the recipe mm. and stuff like that um, kit you know kit brewing's fine it's just a bit I don't know it's one not one dimensional but it's not much to it like yeah incredible I mean the the hops have been added into the kits haven't they yeah. so. And you can't really just see typically you buy one that says like tribute. Sorry, Glenn, I thought I'd mention it this episode before you. <laughs> but you could buy, yeah, if you could buy like a tribute uh, extract kit, then it's going to have all the hops and everything in it ready to go. And all you have to do is add your boiling water, job done. Yeah. yeah. Um, but having said that, if you buy, a, if you, whereas with the obviously with the, the um, powder dry kits, um, it's just the sugars and then you can add your hops you want. So you've got that flexibility to do what the hell you want with it. But having said that, you know, if you want a really early step to just beginning to understand a bit about the difference, I would use a um, a liquid a liquid kit um, that's for something very very basic. So just something that is either malt focused or just a simple golden ale style. Mm-hmm. And you can learn a bit about hops by just adding some extra hops um, after you've um, when you're adding the hot water and just uh, basically dry hop with the extract um, with the uh, liquid extracts and yeah. that will teach you a bit about about a bit about the kits and it will change them if you did if you used a half and half two tins side by side or, or you know half a tin either side of on two brews and one you add some hops to and one you just leave it is you'll notice a massive difference and you could you know you can make some really palatable pretty decent yeah. beers um out of just just the, the syrups so don't you know don't shy away from the idea of that no, no, no. It's to learn that flavour. I'm just looking on Brew UK just to see what kind of the different packs that, that come up. And yeah, there's all sorts, like a 49er extract recipe. So I'm just, yeah. It's, it's, it's good stuff. Your, your breakdown of hops, the malts and bits and pieces, and you, all you need to provide is the sugar. Yeah. And again, again, that, it's, it's so easy because if you've got your, because is that a dry kit? Yeah, yeah. That's a dry kit. Yeah, so with the dry kit, they, they provide you with the hops. So if you like 49er, because yeah. you like the percentage and you like the kind of malt flavour on it, then you can buy all of that and then you can just buy yourself some, some separate leaf hops and just use different hops. You can yeah. just play around whatever hops you want in it. 
Mm. Um, you don't have to use the hops that are provided. You can you know, use whatever. Yeah, that's probably the last thing I would say. So what, start what are the hops? The hops in 49er? Yeah, sorry. Sorry, Glenn. I keep interrupting. It's all right, mate. It's all right. Uh, the hops in 49er, Challenger and Goldings. Yeah. Old school. Goldings. I thought it would be Goldings. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, the last right, thing I would say to that new brewer as well is they even go down the traditional kit route. I would say get their own get their own yeast pack though, because the, the normally the yeast that comes with the kit is crap. It's expired. It's rubbish, and that's the reason why you know homebrew probably got a bad name for itself 20, 25 years ago now. Yeah. I'm, well, my first memory is my dad did a homebrew once, and it like when I was young, and he said it was the most disgusting thing he ever made. It was like like traditional. <laughs> Because boots apparently used to do well. I've actually got a book of a boots winemaking kit, but it was back in the day when boots had yeah, nice brewing, and yeah. he said it was one of the worst things he ever had. <laughs> you know, that's when you think about it, like it's probably because the yeast was crap, everything was just you know, the technology wasn't there. Yeah, but yeah, you with the kit stuff, get yourself a good yeast from like Fermentus or some you know, a good mangrove jack, another good dry yeast, just mm-hmm. use those guys because they make excellent excellent yeast and makes a beer actually taste of something basically this is where things get so, so complicated and where obviously we know a bit more about it because we are we're doing brewing a lot more often yeah um but yeah don't don't be afraid by by it all but do spend time looking it up do research it different mm. yeast do different things you know different strains and uh, brew uk will supply lots of different types of yeast so Oh, I'm um, just looking at the list. I mean, the list is you know, enormous. Phone them up, talk to them, ask them, or or research around what you want, and then select the one that you want and build your own kit. It might cost you a few more quid, but build your own kit so you get yeah. what you want. Yeah. Um, in terms of, I mean, even like, and, and it's so hops, technical. You've got pellet and leaf and extract and and what have you. Yeah, yeah. But the other one I use is um. There's this brewery up. I think it's in Newcastle way called Cross My Loof. Um, if you type them in, they're very interesting little brewery. Um, so they they make their own beer, but they also just sell their their ingredients to home brewers. Oh right, okay. yeast as well, which they've got such a great range of dried yeast, which is so easy to handle. Like I've got like fifteen different yeasts in the in the fridge, whereas if I use liquid yeasts, where you pay six seven pound a pop for them, they expire quite quickly. They take a few months, and they're you know then you got to use starters and stuff. If you if you go to those guys, I've like, yeah, I buy ten yeasts at a time. It costs about fifteen pounds for ten, and you can get a wide variety of all sorts of styles. Yeah, I'm looking at their site now. So yeah, they've got their hot bags. Yeah, oh, and that's various yeah. different types of yeasts. Okay. Yeah, and and that's the that's the thing. Yeah, it's, it's doing your research. If you it, again, it's that person that they approach you to do homebrew, and they, you know, they they either really want to get into it or they're either going to spend £50 and then quit within six months. Yeah. You know, that's that's the, probably the issue with it. You know, they've got to be interested in the... Mm. In. But then I suppose if if people are listening to this, then there's a fair chance that they are interested. Yeah. You, you hope so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. Glenn, out of interest, what are you doing? Yours has gone oh, yeah, I'm on, I'm on the peach. I'm on the uh, pastor, pastor peach vice now. Uh, Blood Peach, oh, yeah. uh, Walter, Walter Beach Vice. Yeah. What the Walter Beach is, but it's, yeah, 
it's nice. It's you know very good summer drink. Um, not you know it's not it's sour but not sour sour. It's yeah, hot day, good stuff. This would be. Yeah, nice. Uh, was it what it is proper br- blood? blood it's, it's a mad color. It's amazing. It's great color. Yeah, that's yes. Yeah, it's, it's really good for a banana vice, which is one of my favorite styles. Mm. It's a it's uh, it's good. I, I've, I've just moved on to um, something a bit unusual. I've moved on to a spruce tip IPA. Ooh. Which um, is literally an IPA made with uh, locally foraged spruce tips. <laughs> um, and it's interesting. Piney? Again, it's a bit... It's a bit it, <laughs> it isn't. I mean, it is. It is, but it isn't. It's got a really... I thought it was going to taste like toilet uh, cleaner or whatever. But it smells, it smells, doesn't smell particularly good, but it tastes really interesting. It's like, I don't, yeah, it tastes really fresh. It tastes really fresh. Weirdly, though, on this, it does say it needs to be consumed before the 8th of December 2020. So that's interesting. <laughs> and yeah, I think, I've, I think I've been done there, haven't I? Yeah, it might. Yeah, maybe the maybe the shopkeep is just not that into his beer. He just buys it. You know? I mean, I know it's definitely. A, I know it's definitely a Christmas beer. It would be. It's it's a spruce yeah. on it. I mean, when in, when else are you going to sell it? But um, I don't really know how this would have. There, just, there isn't like a, a. There's not a. Um, it's not. It's not stamped with a date when it was. Um, when it was made, but it's a Danish beer. So it's, uh, it's come the distance. Who's Free Brexit. By Alifarm. Never heard of them. No, nor have I. I just was intrigued by the fact they had spruce yeah. tips in it. But it's, yeah, it's not unpleasant. It is 6.2%, so it's a bit pokey. But <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. What's it? That first one To be fair, that's the lowest baby the beers I've had tonight. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've got anything. Have you had the tribute extra beer yet, Lyle? Oh, no, that's I'll... next. Yeah, I was going to say. Well, I'll have that next as well. I'm intrigued Tribu- to hear what you think. What you say about that? Yeah. Oh God, here we go. Here comes the zero percent doom bar. <laughs> that is not far off Marmite. That is really multi. Oh, no. oh really? Cool. Blight. That's. To get a head on it, I'd be intrigued to see whether it actually yeah. gets a decent head. Or directly, oh, gonna... big... that's it. Yeah, yeah. straight down. Well, oh, how long is it going to last? It looks a lot darker than Doomba. It's it's really dark. Yeah, Doomba is yeah. a proper amber. It's not bad, you right. know. Fair enough. It's not terrible. That's that's the story of Doomba. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Okay, yeah, it That's is like sweet. It is still sweet. It's yeah, yeah. I like. I feel like I could neck this and then go on a run. It's it's like lots of energy. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
sweet <laughs> like really sweet um i can't even i'm trying to remember what doomba actually tastes like it's been that long since i've had it but this is just like caramel cool. yeah this is i mean it's it's more drinkable than the um the punk alcohol free considerably more drinkable i think what are they saying so spicy resinous hop sweet roasted malts yeah maybe not balance is <laughs> yeah so spicy resinous hop sweet roasted malts balanced succulent dried fruit with a moorish subtle bitterness where well, there is no bitterness to it whatsoever it, it's all sweet have you had this before and have any, either of you tried this no, no, I've tried it. It's smoky, which is the malt, I guess. That's the roasted malt element of it. Uh, smoky's interesting, though. That's uh... Great with battered seafood, apparently, like calamari. <laughs> <laughs> I'll remember that next time. Get a squid and hit it with a rolling pin. Job done. I think people would like that. I think I think people yeah I think if if you, you like a and well if you like Doombar you can't drive I would maybe I don't think you're going to be far wrong with that to be to be fair to it I, I wouldn't like, have it uh, I think if we use if we use our very vague starting point for these podcasts of um, what is craft beer is it pretentious I think that the the reality is here that we're just going to be constantly fighting a battle of the fact that. People don't generally give a shit what they drink. <laughs> yeah, there are there are, and I'm not saying anything bad about any of the beers we're drinking tonight. But you can you can harp on, can't you, about how good a beer is and whether it fits a certain profile, if it's as good as this or that. But the reality is, if it's all right, people will drink it. I mean, without being rude to Carling, Carling is the most drunk beer in the UK. And Carling, to me, tastes of very little. It is like the yeah. most uninteresting yeah. standard beer you can get. And there's a few contenders, but I'd say Carling <laughs> is right up there as the one that I just, it, it just isn't, it isn't an exciting beer. And yeah. yet it's drunk by so many people. Um, I think the craft beer market still only accounts for about 20% of the entire market. Not even that, I don't think. So, you know, we're talking about a very small minority who are just shouting very loud. So going back to homebrew quickly. Yeah. What, um... yeah storing of beer once it's made that i think for other for some other that's a bit of a minefield for a few people as well is you know you, you look online some people are like oh no it needs to be somewhere dark and warm someone's like no it needs to be cold and damp and musky like there's there's so many there's so many different people with so many different ideas i mean is there anywhere that you just wouldn't ever store it yeah so i would never so well, first thing first, when you bottle, make sure it's brown bottles. Yeah. Sunlight can't get through. But also, either way, the sun will still get through eventually if a beer, the bottles are left in the sun. Yeah. So don't store yeah. your beers where the sun can get to it. 
Mm-hmm. Also, don't leave your beers in warm places. So, don't leave them in the airing cupboard. Ideally, <laughs> yeah. you know, like where you probably store it where you store your tin food or something. You know, <laughs> dark yeah. and cool. Yeah. You know? yeah, 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 yeah. Like my where do I store my? I've got some beers underneath the stairs here. Yeah, I've also got some beers in the kitchen, um, mm-hmm. underneath in a you know in somewhere nice in the kitchen where the sun definitely can't get to it basically yeah and they're in cardboard boxes just to doubly make sure somehow the sun can't magically get through suddenly get through the walls of the property yeah exactly okay yeah it's no yeah it's it's, yeah it's definitely again i think it's something that people worry about and maybe overthink yeah as long as you don't leave it next to a radiator or the sun you're gonna be all right yeah you know i think it it kind of depends to some degree what beer you've made and how you've made it. Yeah. So if you've if you've brewed a beer in a fermenting bucket and it's fermented right out or as much as you want it to and you bottle it and prime it, then it needs a bit of time to come into condition. So the remaining, the sugar that you've added in the priming needs to be used up by the, the yeast that's in suspension because presumably most homebrew is is bottle conditioned um in which case yeah you want to leave it somewhere with a bit of temperature so the yeast can still work at it for a short amount of time but you don't want it to be too hot that the yeast goes mental creates too much carbon dioxide and blows your bottles up which is which i think in the old school days that's how it might have been because people didn't sort of do things with any understanding of how it works yeah um like with you, Glenn, you you put your beer into corny kegs first. Uh, not, at not? not at the moment. I'm bottling quite a lot just because of room in the house. When I when I lived with the parents, it was corny kegs. Yeah, now it's a lot less, yeah. So, if, so a corny keg is basically a sealed container, um, like a, a very big bottle, basically. So if you, if you decided to put all of your beer into a corny keg, you can condition it in your corny keg so then when you put it into bottles from the corny keg you don't really want to leave it anywhere warm because um the heat can help the carbon dioxide that's in the beer dissolve and can actually affect the seal on the top of your bottles so the caps of of standard bottles not uh, screw caps but like the ones that you crown cap the caps of those have got a little chemical in them which is an oxygen scavenging chemical and if um if there's a lot of carbon if there's a lot of oxygen in the area then eventually the the chemical runs out of the ability to scavenge oxygen and eventually you'll get oxygen ingress but that can take years so you haven't got to worry about it too much but the carbon dioxide that continues to be produced particularly if you get hot bottles with carbon dioxide in them can force that seal apart and can oxidize the beer so if you've already conditioned the beer before the bottles you don't actually need to keep it anywhere warm and you should really probably keep it somewhere that's cool and damp or not damp, but but like a cellar or somewhere cold is probably the best place yeah. for bottles. So it, it does depend where how you've how you started the beer in the bottles. Okay. It's it, it, like I said, it could be as technical as you want it to be. If you're yeah. going to drink the beer with months of bottling it, it doesn't bloody matter where you keep it. If you're looking to store some of the beer, um, or you want to keep it as fresh as possible, yeah, then you want to think a bit more about it. Okay. But it doesn't matter that much. Hmm. Cool. Well, I suppose then leading on from that then, so in terms of types of beer that you would suggest for a first-time brewer, 
is there a particular type of beer that as opposed to saying you should try this first because it's easiest what beers would you maybe avoid due to being potentially a little bit too technical or a bit more involved than others uh well it's it's it's, it's you're talking about your sour beers and your lagers basically yeah because i'm sure there'll be a few people listening to this who'll be like oh i'd love to brew a lager yeah um well it's not <laughs> it's again it, like this is a this is a thing this is a I guess the great the big circle of homebrewing, but like I've just made a lager at room temperature uh, this week. First time I've done it, and it tastes like a lager. But so should it not be done at room temperature? No, you mentioned lagers a bit colder than room temperature, and then you store it for two months in the cold in the fridge. Basically, you're not meant to do that, but you can now. This is a, this is all about the whole homebrewing technology these days. Is that actually you could lager? You could probably make lagers at most temperatures. <laughs> you know i suppose the companies that produce the kits and stuff they want them to be successful yeah because and, as soon as somebody has a bad kit if they're early on they're not going to bother again exactly yeah yeah, yeah. word will spread yeah yeah um yeah it but yeah it's it's you can't you can make a lager straight away but i wouldn't recommend it i would say keep keep to the traditional english styles or even go to the american ales first yeah, like the, the Belgian 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 ales are a bit more complicated, and then yeah, mixed firm beers or you yes, know you need a Belgian like, monk to make Belgian. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You don't. You buy, yeah, basically. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, I, 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 I would say if you, want, if you want to do a first beer, you've never done it before. I would use a wet kit. I wouldn't go dry extract. I'd go wet extract kit, and I'd just go for a a golden ale mm, yeah. because they tend to have a decent hot character and they'll look and taste because the malts aren't too strong they'll look and taste pretty good yeah 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 I, I, I and, and, if you, and then from, from that that gives you a really good position to then say oh i like my beers a bit more interesting with the hops so then you can make exactly the same kit and you can just put a handful of hops into the fermenter when you are pouring your boiling water in that's that's your addition that's that step step two um step three would be then to think about whether you want to mix your kits or perhaps you could from that point even you could start changing into a different kit or you could oh, i'll try best bitter this time or whatever yeah but you, yeah i don't think you can go wrong with a standard english golden ale that's classic yeah my I'm trying to think my first home brew was an American IPA. Um, uh, I think that's mainly because I was already, I did it with, Col well, me and Colm used to do the home brewing together and we were into our American beers. Yeah. Um, in, what, what, when did we start? Christ, 2014, I reckon. But yeah, we we were, we used extract, we went straight to extract, didn't do kit, and we used just big American hops. Um, I think it was Mosaic and Chinook or something like that. But yeah, and it, yeah it was really nice it was a nice one actually um yeah there was not not much to it but yes it that's it if basically brew what you like drinking unless it's yeah you know like you know you're not gonna you, you're sour you're not gonna like a lambic is your favorite beer anyways for example it you yeah. know it's your favorite session of beer. <laughs> they're quite easy to make yes yeah. favorite session of beer. yeah 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 favorite session beer is probably the sour knocking around in your yeah, you don't want to muck around with that yet. 
trying to think when I... Uh, but that's the thing. Like extract wise, I only I maybe only did two or three brews actually in extract, and then I then I went all grain. Yeah. Um, just to get it's, it's like as well as saying it's just it's just kind of then just slowly expanding your horizons of styles and stuff. Get some homebrew books with loads of recipes in. Yeah. Find find some weird styles like now like you know was I I you know like American porters smoke I did smoke porters as well and things like that weird stuff. It looks interesting. Hmm. It's actually quite doable when you go to all grain. Yeah. and it's not it's not hard <laughs> that's the thing it's just and a lot that's, that's where the excitement is yeah uh, it's just yeah, i think being able to mess around and go yeah i think that's what attracts me to it definitely yeah, yeah. Um, the price goes up that's the thing when you go all grain the price does go up for the initial investment so like yeah. like everything i suppose isn't it yeah well it, but again it's what you make of it like um my first brew kit was a mash tun, which was, uh, you know, those uh, picnic, what do you call it? Not baskets. The, uh, co- uh, well, what's it called? Flask, what's the flasky things? Thermos, thermos like a, f- you know. Them- oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thermos I know what things. you mean. Yeah, thermos. Yeah. Um, I got it from Brew UK. You just, they, it's literally a drill. They drill a hole, put a tap in it. You put your grain in, put your yep. warm water in, and you leave it for an hour, and it yep. keeps the temperature really well so you can get all the sugars out. Okay. Yeah, and that's um, but again, that's when it gets a lot. As soon as you buy that equipment, it is cheaper. So like grain costs two pound a kilogram, for example. Sure. Yeah, uh, yeah, specialty grains are a bit more expensive, but use a lot less of it. Yeah. Um, and that's where you can play, have a good old laugh with beers, really, uh, making yeah. your own beer. I'm just looking at this, so they've got like all grain starter sets. Yeah. And you are literally looking at anything from three and a half grand uh, to yeah. 400 quid yeah i mean some of this but, stuff. but but yeah but you can do it cheaper because it depends how you want to start because my my only experience of grain brewing at home i've got a oh, i don't know what it is a 10 liter uh steel saucepan yeah um a a, a, a giant sieve um and i think that's it yeah and then just like a then, and then a demijohn mm. and all you, all you need to do is is just have a, a it's not yeah is it a sieve no it's like a, a giant colander i just have a bit of hessian or not hessian muslin in the in the um in the colander which sits inside the saucepan you put your grains into that and you cover them in in water at the right temperature so you, you know you're, you're mashing it whatever you want to do 68 degrees for sake of argument but you put a lid on it and then you leave it for an hour and then you just lift the colander out and pour pretty hot water over the top of it until the grains are until you've got the volume of liquid in the saucepan you want and then you boil it up and you can make you can make a one gallon batch of of beer on your hob using gas mm. um well, that's, and, I suppose and that, cost, that cost about that cost about sixty quid. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah you yeah, get yeah. a decent saucepan, decent. I think the colander was from IKEA or <laughs> another Swedish producer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm and looking at some of this kit looks highly technical, and I think this is also maybe what what puts people off a bit is that they go onto some sites 
and they see this stuff that looks like it's out of some sort of like I don't know it looks like a like a NASA laboratory yeah it looks really professional and that's you know that stuff's all well and good but as if you've got you know that's the thing with ruin it's actually it is it is literally for anyone you can yeah. make anything from Lyle's setup which is like that's that this is brewing in bag uh brewing a bag method which i forgot yeah. to there's actually a proper in between between extracts like this like that could be the first step of all grain i've gone back to basically uh brewing a bag as well now with my system it's it's such it's an easier way where you can just leave the grains and stuff and to the water and grains just to make the sugar so i mean they've got this thing here like a stove topper small batch starter kit yeah that could that's the brewing a bag stuff that's brew, it, yeah. yeah 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 so big again, just, bag, just like just like when they um you know if you, if you take a different uh concept the moment you meant you might have a field right and someone says oh, i want to have a party in that field and they say well it's 150 quid to hire that field and then someone else walks up and goes i want to have my wedding in that field and they say it's a thousand pounds to have a wedding in that field um yeah. and and that's the thing like if, if you want to just boil some water up basically on a pan on the stove yeah. it, it doesn't have to cost you much but the moment yeah. you say you're doing homebrew people jump in it and say oh you need specialist equipment and they make mm. it more specialist than it needs to be like you're i think you were going to say a minute ago like the medieval people were doing it and they were just boiling yeah. it up in massive vats that's all they were doing okay the yeah. beer wasn't that good but you can still use the same concept of creating it yeah. just with a more refined approach always find it fascinating like before it's again a bit historic i guess it's a historical but like before yeast was found louis pasteur before that what was what i don't know what they thought when beer was being made when that beer turned into alcohol they must thought magic happened like when oh. you think about the whole <laughs> fermentation, like what did they think before yeast was found what you know <laughs> what? Well, i imagine the first person that that, that that worked it out was then probably called a witch and probably yeah, exactly. just off fairly rapidly <laughs> i imagine boiled up in his own beer yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> well it's the funny one isn't it because we all somatically assumed that because people were making beer they knew it was alcoholic but they didn't know it was alcoholic they just knew that if they boiled up a liquid made yeah. with barley which they made bread with so they were like, let's put this in. It makes a lovely sweet liquid. And then we'll leave it for a bit with some herbs and spices in it, like St. John's wort and wormwood. And we'll flavour that liquid. And they discovered, actually, that it created a really nice drink. They didn't know that it was alcoholic, necessarily. They, mm. do, they did know that they, they got an effect from it. So they continued to do the process because they were like, ooh, this is making me feel giddy and fun. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't until obviously people started to scientifically analyze it that they realized what they were producing. Like, I don't, I don't even know what the date was, but it wasn't in 1250 that they went, yes, it has alcohol in it. <laughs> yeah, uh, it wouldn't have been till later. So same with so many things. They just It's just a wonderful luck that someone boiled something up or put something together and went, mm, that's quite nice. It's like the yeah. first time put someone put a chicken on a fire and like oh fuck i've dropped the chicken on the fire and then they're like oh i can't get it now and then someone went oh go and get a stick and it took them an hour to get a stick and they got the stick and they managed to take the chicken off and they're like this tastes amazing yeah <laughs> not this this is suddenly so the chickens are a bit more concerned <laughs> i'm gonna call this roast chicken <laughs> <laughs> or spit yeah. roast chicken. 
Yes. That's interesting. I mean, I think, you know, that, that gives, rather than going through the process of how to do a homebrew, I think that gives a really good overview of things to consider. Yeah, just try it. Uh, okay, mm. so I, I think we should, let's try and move the conversation on because we could dwell for a long time on what sort of kit to use or whatever. And yeah, I yeah. think there's a, there's, a whole, there's a whole podcast we could do just on, on homebrew. <laughs> yes. Um but a question for you, Glenn, what do you think the, ma- the, the major stum- stumbling block that sort of early or first time brewers are going to come across will be? Uh, it's being after bottle, I reckon. I think that's probably, the, that's probably my biggest problem now, as always has been, is actually bottling the beer. It's a, it's a, long, it's a long process, but mm. yeah, you, you, I don't know, that's probably the main one for me. It's a bit of a boring reason, but that's what the most... No, no. I'd see as well is is actually when it comes to clean when you think about brewing it's a lot of cleaning and a lot of not doing much and imagine you've got a busy week you're brewing a beer which you can't drink until two weeks time at least and then you bottle it for and then it gives you got to give it another week at least to condition in a bottle so three weeks later you open a beer and it tastes like crap you're gonna go nah I'm all right I'm not you know I can understand that thought process yeah. I think that's the biggest stumbling blocks when you make a crap beer and you bottle it and you really, you know, as well. Obviously. You realise it's terrible and you think all that time you've wasted. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and that's it's true. It's you know, it, it can bum you out quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. I was I was going to say the the, the 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 one thing that I think people when they're going to brewing they think it's going to be really easy and really enjoyable. I think the reality is. If you're interested in it, it's enjoyable in its own way. But yeah, yeah. being a being a brewer, as I know, is just a lot of time and a lot of cleaning. It's like ninety percent cleaning, and it's yeah, it's not actually it's not actually as fun. It's not fun in the way it is. Drinking the beer at the end of it and going, "Wow, that tastes great," or "Oh, I can really taste what I did there," or "Oh, I understand what the difference is between the last beer I did." That's really interesting. But yeah. it's not like a, not like a massive leap of gratification. <laughs> You're not suddenly like, "This is the best thing ever. I'm going to become a brewer." <laughs> <You're> just like, <laughs> you, you just go, "Oh, that was quite good." <laughs> yeah. So yeah. prepare to be disappointed and, and do a lot of cleaning and think, "God, why I'm spending hours cleaning and a lot of water on the floor that you never intended to be there." Oh yeah, mm. a lot of moaning from the missus. A lot of moaning. <laughs> Yeah, that's not that's not okay, though. <laughs> as 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 mentioned to you beforehand, the lengths I had to go to on my last kit. Yeah. Charlie was in bed. I don't think I started bottling till about eleven o'clock at night. The kitchen was literally it was yeah, yeah it was covered in plastic wrap. There was absolutely no worktop or floor surface on display. The dog was locked away, and yeah. it was a good. I reckon I was. Yeah, three o'clock ish. Yeah, it was it was a bit of a nightmare, but it was worth it in the end. But you've got, to, I guess, you've got to be prepared for a bit of that. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's kind of what Lyle said, like the whole finished product of it. With all, all grain beer in particular, and again, I'm not, not blowing you my own trumpet or anything, but you realise actually how not easy, but how possible it is actually to make a professional quality beer at home. If you yeah. uh, just get the basics down, you can make just as good beer as anyone else. Yeah. Um, and it is, you know, it's, that's the thing. It's, it, it really is a risk, you know, risk reward of that end product. 
if you've got a really you make yourself a really good beer, you're going to be chuffed with yourself. You know, and yeah. it also to be fair, the one of our main bits as well is crap drinking homebrew by yourself as well. If you got if you make a homebrew, <laughs> you've got no one to drink it with. You can't celebrate or you know not celebrate it, but you know talk about what yeah, you no. make. For example, it's like you know it's like painting. You a know, really doing, good point. making a painting and then storing it away forever. You yeah, know, absolutely, it's crap if you do it that way, and you're never going to be you know happy with what you do. But if you actually give out what you you know, it's a nice thing to do. I guess. Yeah, definitely. I, yeah, I think that's yeah. a really good point, actually. Like, you should do it for the love of it and you should do it for the whole social reason. Don't just do it because you want to make cheap beer. That's a really bad reason to do it because it's a lot of work. And, and you're absolutely right. There's nothing more, yeah, more rewarding about it than giving that beer to someone else. And it's the same when you, you know, I work in the industry. It's the same thing when someone comes to you and says, that beer was really nice. You know, that was really good. Or, oh, I really like what I did. What, what hops did you use? And that's that's where you get your reward is drinking it with someone else. So, yeah. don't don't drink it. Don't drink at home on your own. Yeah, <laughs> difficult at the moment though. Very difficult. That's our little, little okay. AA moment for you. Yeah. That's the thing. I try to send my homebrews off to a couple of mates. One in Bristol, which actually the beer's got right there, and one to Coleman up in High Wycombe. Yeah bloody parcel force like i wrapped up so well bubble wrapped every single bottle mm. um and then i then it got returned to sender one of the bottles broke didn't yeah. get a reach from my parcel or anything and they just said tough like it's glass glass glassware so it makes you think what they were doing with it they must literally have been throwing it 50 meters yeah yeah me that's my that's my round of part you know trying to send your beer off basically don't do it <laughs> <laughs> it might also happen with other parcel delivery services, so don't just think it's the, that particular. Yeah, that's true. Service. Yeah, it can happen. Yeah, any, yeah. it can happen with anyone at any time. Yeah. Um, two quick <laughs> points. No, number one, this this beer is actually as much as I hate to say it, because it is a, a a strange thing to have a a spruce tip IPA. Mm. It's it's fine. It's really good. I quite like it. It's re- it's really unusual. This was something that I, that I feel we needed to bring up in today's episode as well, is that you announced on the chat yesterday that you found an IPA that you actually like. Well, I did. I was going to save that to the end of this, um, to the end of the uh, podcast, actually, but well, we spent can, a long we can, time. We can hold well, on. We can edit that out. We can edit this dis- out. Yeah, but I will. Remi- remind me at the end. Remind yeah. me at the end. Oh, well. <laughs> um, the other thing I was going to say is, since we just broke up, because you know, we can't talk forever, but just thinking one more time about homebrew. Um, mm. Technically, Glenn, uh, in terms of the technical production of beer, what do you think is going to be the main thing that people are going to get wrong when they start homebrewing? What would you say is a, is a thing that's really, really important, but people just get wrong when they homebrew? Uh, fermentation temperature. Um, again, it... You, I would say read the packet. I'd like not, not everyone can control, for, you know, your temperature in the house, but you need to look at what what the yeast what the yeast is happy at. Um, yeah, there's nothing worse than like, especially in the summer, it gets quite quite tricky to do brewing without a fridge because mm-hmm. the yeast gets too hot basically and starts producing all sorts of horrible off flavors, and it can, you get some really rubbish batches. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, that's the that's the main one for me is making sure that. Your yeast is at a right temperature. And, and having, then, the, having the right kit's important. You kind of yeah. hinted there as well, like the idea of having 
having a fridge is really important. Huge. It, yeah. It's one of those things. Just get a second-hand fridge and just take all the shelves out and just control that temperature. Yeah. But again, again it's not impossible to brew without a fridge. It's just, again, knowing... Right. I'd say I was dark, but knowing your house and going, that's where it's really <laughs> yeah. cool. That's where it's... Don't, you know, it's... You know, it's again, it's... that. Yeah, that's the main thing from good... You know, for a drink from okay drinkable beer to crap beer, that's the biggest difference is the ferment where you fermented it. And also good probably... Yeah, and it, again, it depends on how technical you get. It's recipe design as well. Um, these days, there's so many... So, like... I use uh, what do I call it? Brewfather. Is it Brewfather? Honest, yeah, Brewfather. Um, this online app to create your own recipes, so you actually know what you're making. Um, again, yeah. it, it's one of the marvels of the modern. You know, this is why home brewing's easier to do at home now to make professional beers because there's so many things out there to help you brew. Again, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, you're talking ten plus years ago. You only had, you know, there wasn't much out there. So that's the other thing as well. If you want to start making your own beers design it properly on these on the um on some sort of brewing software and you can't really go wrong because yeah. i've seen many times people another one is like probably hopping too much they get bass that's only because you didn't use enough hot you know um you didn't design your beer properly but if you yeah. use brewing software you can't go wrong it, te- it basically tells you if you do you're going to make a crap beer or not for me yeah yeah. Let's say if you can make a safe- I, I, use, I, I use an app called wort w-o-r-t and um, I'd, I'd say that it's probably better for people who are a bit more technically minded because it doesn't sort of doesn't advise you if your beer is going to be bad. It <laughs> just gives you kind of parameters. <laughs> so you tell it what you're going to do and it, and it says, yeah, this is what it's going to end up like. So if you don't understand what it's going to end up like, then you can still make a bad beer. But it, it does go into a lot more detail about um, sort of IBU bitterness uh, levels and um you can really accurately calculate how much um, sugar you're going to get with the efficiency. You can adjust your efficiency. You can calculate your efficiencies on your brew as well. So it's a, a great little app. And, and like you said, it revolutionizes the way you approach it because you can, you can just work out what you're going to get. Yeah. And then you just, you just work to the recipe that's kind of not, you know, you create the recipe, but it then tells you almost what you need to do with it. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that's yeah, that, that's so. It's, that's new, no, what's the other one I have? Beersmith. That's the one I used to use on my computer. That's a similar one. Um, yeah. yeah. But probably the last thing I would say about home brewing, when especially when you're designing your own beers, is that I, especially when I made like my fourth, fifth, sixth beer, I tried to go, oh, I'm going to put ten different malts in, I'm going to put fifteen different hops in. That that doesn't make beer better. It's actually making simple beer yeah. first, making making sure that you do everything right and just keep you know two free malts couple of hops three you know no more than four hops and go from there like it doesn't make better beer because you chuck a load of hops at different types of hops in and also yeah there's nothing wrong with making a replica if you, if you know a beer really well yeah. like try and make that beer so lots of websites i mean mike does a lot of it with the, with the research we do on the podcast but look up what the beer contains look up what the malts are and you you might even find a kit that does the same malts and does the same hops mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with trying trying a replica beer first so you can sort of perfect your process and once you're happy that the process did what you wanted it to do then start to play around 
you know, don't don't feel you have to jump in and suddenly make the best beer in the world because the chances are you're going to make something that's really shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, that's all, all good points. All very good points. Um, so I finished my Doom Bar, and um, the end of it, I found tasted just like cold tea. Oh, Ooh. as in like tea that's meant to be warm tea. As in a, a yeah, mug of tea that's gone cold. It had that same oh, sort of ice, ice tea that's got cold. <laughs> no, no, no. Like a like a like a PG tip's gone cold. So yeah. I'd have it over the um the brew dog though, definitely. But then I think if you like your IPAs, you 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 have your brew dog over that, certainly. And you get more for your money. Yeah, or if you just like the taste of medicine, then you'll have the brew dog. Or just get some cowpole. Oh, I can't cowpole. Do not recommend that. On this podcast, we do not recommend the consumption of a pint of cowpole. That would be an interesting night. <laughs> It'd be so thick. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Nasty. Well, should we... Um... Should we wrap things up there? Do you feel that we're yeah. kind of at a nice point? To... Very concise episode that, I think. Just to... for anyone that's looking to start up home brewing, I think that's a nice, really good starting point. Obviously, if you've got any questions about home brewing, then shout. I mean, yeah. I will just pass the questions on, but um, definitely get in touch. Um, or if you've maybe, if you've tried for the first time to home brew recently during lockdown, like, how did it go? What what happened? Did you did you, story. Were you were you successful? Yeah, it'd be interesting to hear hear your thoughts. Um, cool. Well, chaps, until until next time. Very yeah. enjoyable. If you, if, you have, be... if you have any comments or you wanna you wanna email us, obviously you can find us on Instagram on uh, ninety was it ninety dot percent water. Yeah. Yep. Um, or you can uh, you can actually send us an, uh, an email on our email account, which is ninety, the number nine zero, and the word percent h two o at gmail dot com. Yeah, yeah, it'd be good to hear from everyone. To be honest, but yeah, yeah, no, we'd really like to, and and we we are, um, you know, I'm, I'm I'd love to hear what you've got to say about home brewing, and I'd love to answer some questions if you've got anything to put forward. Definitely. Um, and obviously, I mean, if you're listening to this, you've probably found out where we are, but we are available on um, all reputable podcast platforms and some less reputable ones, I'm sure. Um, Anchor, <laughs> Spotify, um, Apple Podcasts. So please review us on there, because if you review us, we then get bumped up the listings, people find it easier, and then things snowball and grow out of control, and suddenly we have to think about what we really do and uh yeah well, what we drink <laughs> yeah 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 what we say we don't want to offend anyone um brilliant cool all right chaps well um we'll call that a day and we'll uh, we will be back again soon Bye.